Hello, and welcome to Monumental, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, leaders, visionaries, and big thinkers making monumental change. Here's your host, Evan Holliday. What is up, guys? Evan Holliday here, your host on Monumental. Uh, so we are back with another Evan episode where we dive into something that I'm working on or lessons learned or, or things on my journey. So recently, just two weeks ago, uh, we closed on 240 units here, right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And it took us a very, very long time to get this thing closed. Actually three years and one month to be exact. And I thought, what better way, you know, I've learned so much um, through getting this project across the finish line really over the last like literally like I said three years uh, that I've learned so much that I was like what better way to help you guys on your multifamily monumental journey uh, than sharing what I've learned and hoping that you know something you take away one little nugget and that will help you on your journey so first let's give a little recap of the project and just to give you a little background so we just closed on 240 units in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, they're all garden style, new construction, ground up. Uh, they're all three story and it will include a pool, a uh, many different amenities like a walking trail, a dog park. Um, we're gonna have like a business center, a workout facility, a clubhouse, a leasing facility all on 18.77 acres. And it's actually right along Dickerson Pike which is a major redeveloping corridor in Nashville. And it's, it's in a neighborhood called Madison. It's a beautiful neighborhood and really just quickly, quickly turning over. And even since we've had the property under contract and we closed, the neighborhood has already seen massive changes. So really excited about this project. In total, this is $49 million in total development costs. And we're going to be right next to a Walmart Supercenter, a regional hospital that is actually expanding their ER room. Uh, we're gonna be next to a brand new Hampton Inn. We're gonna be next to a brand new brewery, multiple other luxury apartment communities that are being built currently or in the plans now. So this is just one of those like areas that you're just really glad that you were able to find on an early stage and be able to, to be a part of the redevelopment of a quickly growing neighborhood. So one of the main reasons that it would took three years to get this project done uh, was the zoning. So a lot of times, if you're in new development, you will look for zoned land, and that is ideal, that's what you want, that's what you strive for, but in Nashville, that is very hard to come by because there's very little zone multifamily sites and everybody has picked them over over the last five to ten years. So we actually had to rezone this site from rural to allow for multifamily because it did not allow multifamily. So this is a process that takes, you know, really getting the council person, which in this case was Councilwoman Nancy Van Rees. She's been amazing. Uh, and in getting your council person involved, getting them fully supported behind the project, then you have to get your uh, you have to get your neighborhood involved. You have to get your uh, planning staff involved. You have to do a full site plan, a survey, all these reports. Um, you have to take it through three metro council meetings. So that in itself, just the rezoning, took over a year to get done. 
And then after that, we actually had to entitle it, which includes getting permits for the site, getting all the financing done. That took another two years to get this thing done. So it took a lot of patience, consistency, just being able to like push at it every day to get this thing done, but it did not happen overnight. And rezonings are a huge part of what, in a lot of cases, takes makes these developments take so much longer. This project is also financed with a public-private partnership with the city, the state housing agency, and the city housing authority. So this is something where we've been able to combine not only tax credits that came from the federal government, uh, and then also a tax abatement that came from uh, the Metro Council and the Housing Authority to be able to uh, provide for what we call like a workforce housing opportunity that provides for families that are working throughout the community that are supporting the economy and giving them a good quality place to call home and at an attainable price. And I will go into how like workforce and affordable housing both work in a whole nother episode because we could literally take all day just going into that one topic. But in summary, we are providing workforce housing for the city of Nashville who has a dire, dire need for providing workforce housing for over 32,000 families that are in need of, of good quality housing that just cannot afford Nashville's crazy, crazy rent prices right now. All right, so now that you've got a little background on the project, Drum roll please, because this is, these are my seven lessons learned from closing on 240 units. And hopefully you can take away one little nugget and help apply it to your multifamily project that you're working on next. So number one, patience is key toward any, any, any big goals, guys. This is so huge. This is something that I really learned when I got into development it's hands down something that you need to have if you want to strive for big goals in life. In three years, like three years, I think that says it all. Like you need to stick with things, you know, through thick and thin, like through times where you think you've had enough through, you know, it took me two years, actually two years to get my first development project done. When I first started working at this two years and I was like, man, I'm going to get this done so quick. I'm going to be the, the quickest closer ever and it's just there's certain things that you just cannot control that you need to have patience on and that was the hardest thing for me to learn because I, I didn't have patience I still don't have patience but I've learned to accept things that I cannot control and if you think about it as you're moving the needle one percent per day then imagine what you can be where you can be in a month you can be 30% better. In a year, you can be 365% better. Imagine how much better your project is moving forward, your deals are moving forward, you know, your, your pipeline is moving forward. So if you have that mentality of like, you're going to move forward 1% every day, then in a year, you can be leaps and bounds where better off than where you started off. Number two on our list, persistency and consistency above all else. Those two are like words that I live by because everything that I do in real estate, in sales, and negotiations, it all comes down to how persistent are you and how consistent are you in your follow-up, in your drive, and your pushing to get these things done. So literally every, every project I've worked on, 
if I did not apply these two principles, if I did not apply this, they would not have gotten done. And this, this project above all else is, is a testament to this because it took three years of just pushing, pushing, pushing. And imagine if, if I didn't push this project, you know, I, I, even at the beginning, I knew I had to get it rezoned. You know, I, that was just a part of the timeline. So I knew this is probably a two year project at least. And that just did not stop me from saying, okay, well, what's the first step? What's the next step? What's the next step after that? It's just taking things in an incremental order and saying, okay, well, let's just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Because once you have that momentum behind your persistency and your consistency, it will do wonders to actually getting, getting your projects done, getting your goals done, getting whatever it is you're achieving in life, get that done. And it's so powerful if you can just say, okay, I'm gonna do a little bit every day, a little bit every day. It goes so far. And the crazy thing is throughout all these developments I've worked on, I've noticed that all of them have died. Meaning like literally we thought the deal was dead. Like we were about to release the contract or we were about to just say, okay, well let's call it quits. Like all of my deals have at least died, like quote unquote died at least multiple times. So it's just, it's having that persistency and consistency of just saying like, okay, well, it's it's dead now, but I can bring it back to life because I'm going to put work into it every day, every day, every day. I'm gonna follow up with people. I'm gonna make sure people are doing their job. I'm gonna, you know, follow up with this guy on the finance. I'm gonna follow up with this guy on the entitlements. Like there's so many times where if I would have given in to that and, and not been persistent in my follow-up and follow-through, then these things wouldn't have gotten done. All right, number three, entitlements and rezonings can add massive value to anything you're developing or, or any project you're working on. It sounds easy where you're like, oh, well, I'll just rezone a property and all of a sudden I'll release, you know, I'll double the value of the property. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not that easy but it can add tremendous value to your developments that you're working on. So in this project, uh, we were working with the councilwoman, Nancy Van Rees. She was amazing, she was supportive, she got behind the project, she understood the need of the city, of her community, for Nashville, for Madison, for her neighbors, for the people that elected her. She knew there was a need for workforce housing options and affordable, attainable housing options. And the reason I say that is because your council person, whoever they are, they are, they are the ones that really help make the decision for the community whether or not projects go forward. And they, along with the community that attend the community meetings, that get involved, that are active in the rezoning process at Planning Commission, at uh, Metro Council, they are the ones that really make a decision on whether or not they're going to support or deny your project. And that's so crucial. Like you cannot rezone projects without first the council person support and then secondly, the community support. So you really have to make it about them. How is this project going to better their district? Because they're the ones that are gonna be living with it for the next 50 to 100 years. They should be proud of this. They should be happy about this. They should want this to happen to their community because it's only going to better everything around them and the people living there. But the main reason I bring this up is that any piece of land, if it's underzoned, if you know a neighborhood is redeveloping 
and the, all the land along a certain road is zoned rural or zoned single family. There is massive upside that can can be like value add by you all, by the listeners today, by just being able to rezone a property. So we rezone this property from rural to allow 240 units of multifamily on 18 acres. Imagine, you know, the value it literally almost doubled because we are able to just rezone the property, just entitle it, and it costs us maybe $200,000 in plans and and third-party reports and different things. So it's not for the faint of heart, but I will tell you that it's a great way that you can add tremendous value and either develop it yourself or be able to, to sell that on to somebody else that has the capacity to really fully develop that project. Number four on our list, there will always, always be unforeseen obstacles in your way. So really with every single development I've done to date, every single multifamily project I've done, there has always been like 20 obstacles that I just didn't see coming, our team didn't see coming, and I, I promise you that's true. You ask anybody that's done multifamily investments, they will say the same exact thing. There's always going to be unexpected things come up, so just always expect the unexpected. So just a few of the things that have come up on this project. So we had, a, we had to get a wetland study and report done because there's a creek on the site. Uh, we had to get a bat study done. We had to agree to build a bridge for a sidewalk on that going over the creek uh, that was a 12 foot wide sidewalk and like a 50 or 60 foot long bridge. Um, we had to get an easement from an adjacent property owner so we could get an emergency egress so you know uh, uh, ambulances and fire trucks could go in the back of the site. And a big one, we found out we had to blast 20 feet of rock on our site which added over $2 million to our construction budget. And on top of that, when we were ready to close the project, which was actually last year, we found out that the state had run out of tax exempt bonds that we needed to finance our project. And we actually had to wait until this year, 2019, to close the development. And honestly, I'm not even telling you all of the different obstacles that we came up along our journey of closing this project. Like that's, those are just some of the major ones, but there were so many obstacles. And it's just part of the process is like having that like, yes, yes, we can figure this out. Yes, I am a can-do person and I can figure out this project. I can figure out this obstacle and I can get past it. Number five on our list, creative financing. So with that $2 million hit in our construction budget, we had to figure out, we're like, well, what are we gonna do? You know, that's, our numbers did not look good. Needless to say, they did not look good after that $2 million hit. So we were actually able to use uh, a newly passed legislation at the federal level, at the state level, that allowed for uh, us to basically broaden uh, the amount of uh, kind of like the, the income levels that we could hit for this development. And by doing so, we could, we could increase our NOI, our net, net operating income. And by doing that, we could borrow more money to help offset the additional $2 million we had to put into the construction budget. And it's because of doing something, you know, a little creative, a little unique. We we're actually the first ones to ever do, uh, utilize that new legislation that was allowing this broader mix of incomes at our, at our development so we could have a truly mixed income project. And we were the first ones to do it in the whole state of Tennessee. 
because of that, we're able to offset the $2 million construction hit we took. So that was a huge creative financing win. So that's something I just tell to everybody is like, don't be afraid to throw out crazy ideas and like, you know, throw out an idea in the, in the financing or, or how the project is structured that is a little off the wall or, or a little less used or unseen or never done before. Uh, as long as it's a well underwritten deal and it helps the deal financially, then throw it out there, see what happens because you never know. Creative financing is unique and, and that's, how, that's how new structures are formed all the time is by being creative. Number six on our list, always have many irons in the fire. And so what I mean by this is make sure you're just filling up your pipeline of projects because projects like this that take, you know, three years to get closed, like that will happen on a consistent regular basis because there's always unforeseen obstacles like we talked about. There will be things that are 100% out of your control that will slow down a project and you have nothing you can do about it. It's the most frustrating thing in the world, but you have to let go of that and, and be able to offset that by by filling up your pipeline with more projects so make sure you're not just working on one project at a time at least after you're getting started make sure you're working on multiple projects at once because you never know when one project is going to fall out or if it's going to slow down our team is working on at any given time over 10 plus developments that we're working on for this year for next year for the year after that's the other thing is think about you know you're planning for 2019 you're planning for 2020 you're planning for 2021, 2022, like think that far out and you will actually start to see that, okay, my plate's not that full because I'm only working on 2019 when really I should be working on 2020, 2022, like look far out, plan far out and you will inevitably get more irons in the fire and be able to create a pipeline of deals and never feel empty handed when something, you know, and it, inevitably you know slows down and, and takes three years to close finally number seven it takes a village and really this means it takes so many people to get these developments done to get multifamily deals done uh, and you have to be respectful and you have to be just so supportive and and being able to partner with other people i promise you that you cannot do these things on your own because just a just a background of this project like all the people involved so we had the third party reports everybody from surveys to, to environmental reports to to wetlands to market studies all those people involved uh, we had our lender key bank we had our equity partner first tennessee bank uh, we had our housing authority that helped us with the pilot, MDHA. Uh, we had the mayor, David Briley's office. We had the councilwoman, Nancy Van Rees. We had uh, the state housing agency. We had the state rep. We had the state senator. We had the city planning department. They helped us through the rezoning. We had our uh, plan design and permit team. And of course, we had everyone internally at LDG that helped get this across the finish line. So this really does take a village. I would say, oh, and, and I almost forgot all the council involved, all of our legal team, um, our equity and debt and everybody else's legal teams that were involved. This literally took a village. Um, I could probably say there's, you know, maybe over a hundred people that in some way, shape or form had a hand in helping get this project done. So that just shows you like, 
to get a project done of this magnitude, you need to have partners who you can trust, who you can work with, who can get the job done, and that can also rely on you to get your part of the job done. And that actually brings me to something that I did not put on the list, but I want to bring up because it's something that I think everybody should be doing at all times, anywhere, anytime, any place, and that is do what you say you are going to do. After we closed our first project, I had so many people reach out to me afterward, our partners on the deals, and say, wow, you guys actually did what you said you were gonna do. You know, you actually followed through, you made a commitment to make a good project happen, and you did it. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, that's, that's what we should be doing. That's what we told you we were gonna do. But it's so, it seems so obvious to me, but there's so many people that don't follow that rule. And I really highly stress this because this is like the golden rule almost above any other rule is do what you say you're going to do and I promise you people will respect you and people will start to want to partner with you more and more on every deal going forward because they're like, okay, well these guys, if they say they're going to get it done, they're going to get it done. And this is just the beginning for this community in Nashville. It will take over 18 months to build this and then another two years after that to lease it up and then stabilize and convert on the loan to a permanent loan. So we're still, we're just getting started. And honestly, by the time this thing is all said and done, this whole part of Nashville will be completely redeveloped and be a whole new face and a whole new vibrant center, center for Nashville. And on top of all that, we'll be providing 240 families the opportunity to live in an up-and-coming neighborhood at an affordable, attainable price and actually get a good quality place to call home out of all of it. Okay, guys, so that wraps it up for today. But I want to say if you have any other questions, follow-up, you know, things that you wanted further explained, send me a DM on Instagram or text me at 502-627-0501 and I'd love to help you guys on any questions you have or things you want to know more about. Finally, if you are looking to get into your first multifamily investment property but feel like you need help, then go over to www.coachwithevan.com and fill out the form. Let's hop on a call. I would love to see how I can help you achieve your biggest, biggest multifamily goals and make monumental change in the world. So guys, with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to go share it on social media. I would absolutely love that. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, like the video, and guys, have a monumental day. Bye.